Exegesis. Hello and welcome to Countdown to Exegesis, a podcast about Steely Dan. My name is Andrew Suter and I am a seething mass of contradictory opinions, held in check only by the superfine mind of my own funky one, <laughs> Mr. Oliver Piper. Ollie, how are you? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm quite good, Andrew. Um, one question before we start. Have you ever seen a Squonk's Tears? Um, I don't know. I still don't know what a squonk is. Um, oh. So I looked up the lyrics to this song, any major dude will tell you, but I decided not to look at any of the annotations uh, okay. in order to be more present for the uh, for the recording of this podcast. Ooh, Have you but, ever seen a squonk's uh, tears? Not knowingly. Perhaps as a kind of night terror, I have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the whole, uh, the whole uh, cranky old woman sitting on your chest sort of deal. No, no, I don't. I don't know that sort of deal. Anyway, welcome, <laughs> listeners. Today, we're discussing any major dude will tell you from uh, the album Pretzel Logic. I was daydreaming um, this morning about so, uh, going out on a boat. Yeah, oh yeah. Because I've never really gone. I don't know where the nautical obsession comes from. Because I've never really been out on a boat. Um, I mean, I've been on. A, I've been on a ferry, have... but I've never like. I've never gone sailing. It's not the same, is it? it just, it's not the kind of salt sea air and, yeah, you know, yeah. that refreshing spray. It's, 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 yeah, for some reason, ferries are excluded from that romanticism. But I've been on, I've been on a rowboat. A rowboat? Well, like a, well, like a rowboat. But I mean, in a, in a, yeah, in a lake scenario. On a river. Scenario. On a, on a oh, river. Okay. It's very nice with my brother, yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's felt very... You know, I, I was as I was doing it, I could see. I was like, I know why Victorians were into this yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just a tiny amount of excitement. It's just, it's just like a teensy, like a little homeopathic bit of excitement mixed into some good old countryside shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was good as well, like the fact that medicine was less advanced back then, because nowadays, if you're like, I'm ill, you all you can do really is just sit at home and watch TV and listen to records. But in the Victorian times, you'd be like, oh, I've got a bit of a tickly throat. And they'd be like, get him to the coast. Go. <laughs> like, he Go needs a different Yeah, air. he needs two weeks of, of like, convalescence <laughs> on a beach. Incredible. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine if that was, yeah, you call in sick at work and they're like, <laughs> yeah, get, get yourself to Western Superman. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mentioned this on one of our uh, Patreon episodes, uh, but I'd like to say this to the wider listenership that i would really like at some point look ollie me and you we're both overworked uh i think we both need a holiday at some point we should go on a countdown to exegesis boat trip and as we as we launch off onto i don't know the birmingham canals or whatever we should play sail the waterway by steely dan at full volume uh and and smash a champagne bottle over the prow of the of the good ship exegesis do magic mushrooms come into this? They could do. They could do. Um, but I, I should say, for reasons of professionalism, that that uh, I have no idea even what magic mushrooms are. I thought they were something from Mario. <laughs> I've never done... Genuinely, I've never done magic mushrooms. Um, and they scare me uh, slightly. But I feel like yeah, I feel so like it would the, be a good thing to do. But I also the think... The worst time to do it would be on a boat with me. <laughs> yeah. Listening <laughs> with to Sail the Waterway yeah. on a loop. <laughs> you never know. Uh, you never know. It could be the best thing that ever happened to us. 
we'll go back to work yeah, after yeah, a week yeah. on the waterway and people will be like, wow, you look so fresh. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you wanted to kind of face your fear of... Um... <laughs> I don't know. It would be a it would be a very surrealistic and probably frightening experience for you. I think. Yeah, um, probably. So, yeah. Uh, just another just another record day, isn't it? Just another day recording. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we could do a little. Uh, we could get a filmmaker to come and do a documentary uh, about the, the the boat trip. Okay. Um, as promotion as promotion for because I reckon so Asia that's the big one right that's the that's the big Dan album that people give a shit about for some reason so when we come to that one nobody gives a f- who who has ever said to you who's not a steely dan fan who has ever been like oh katie lied what an album like nobody says that nobody gives a uh, fuck about i do yeah but you're a you're a you know a, an anorak i I, th- I think you're wrong i think as of now mm. we are into uh prime cuts of dan mm. all the way up to asia probably and then gaucho has some detractors but they are lizard okay. people okay okay um so yeah you 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 know you, you be aware that right now people are expecting you to be on your a game dan wise i am i have never been more fueled by dan than the past week <laughs> um i'm floating on a cloud like... of dan because we've we've done this song which uh so sticky sp- spoiler alert spoiler alert <laughs> this is a great song uh, oh. And also, we are doing a Patreon bonus episode about a song that Becker and Fagan wrote, which was recorded by Barbara Streisand, which is... I mean to shine. Yeah, which is a, a, a fantastic song. And I've those two songs have just made me think, yeah, Becker and Fagan, great songwriters, you know. Um, so oh, I'm, I'm, oh. on my, I'm on my A game. Yeah. I'm so pleased. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, like we said, Can't Buy a Thrill was them finding their feet. Countdown mm-hmm. to Ecstasy, big old rocking jams. This one, fucking classic songs. Yeah, and night by crisp night. cut, neat as a diamond, mate. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to be too narcissistic, but I feel like we need to, as a podcast, we need to follow the trajectory of Dan's career. So we need to up our game because <laughs> series <laughs> one, that was us finding our feet. Series two, it was like, oh, let's try some different things. We did some weird little show and tell creative little interludes now we mm-hmm. need to fucking nail nail the formula we need to please the suits at abc dunhill and uh really really get our shit together well but it's a very swinging beginning of the end it's a hard grooving hard rocking beginning of the end you know and i think that 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 matters as much as anything don't you if we're gonna go let's let's go out rocking that's apocalypse, what i say. apocalypse wow um i've got a little paragraph i would like to read by a music writer called Tayeb Amman. Mm-hmm. Do you want to uh, do you want to tell me why? Well, or so just go straight in. There was a little feature in the Guardian, and it was like bands that music that we've discovered in 2021. Mm. And oh his, yes. And his pick was uh, his pick was uh, Steely Dan, and I just think that it's really nicely written, and also relevant because he talks about uh, the song we're going to talk about. So he says, the Dan are at their most lovable when playing the part of commiserating friend. They're acting in bad faith at times. The insincere coaxing of Ricky Don't Lose That Number and the self-pitying assumed camaraderie of Midnight Cruiser, for example. But a friend is a friend and no better support has been extended. No better advice offered than on any major dude will tell you. In another year that feels lost to global despair, spent fighting losing battles and, well, feeling like a loser, 
I've taken solace in playing their Ricky, their felonious, their funky one. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that lovely? And do you do you? I get the. I'm just getting like nice vibes from you today. Like you, <laughs> like you. I feel like you've been. You feel welcomed into the bosom of Dan. And what? A, yeah. A, 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 and I what feel, a song I feel to do it with? Yeah. This is a. Yeah. Because this is you know this is genuinely maybe we'll talk about this but this is maybe the Dan being just genuinely nice. Yeah. On this song. Yeah. Um, and you know how often have we seen that? Well, that's. I think that's why. Uh, I feel reinvested uh, in them is because they continue to surprise me. I keep thinking mm. I've got the measure of them, and then I'm like, no, this is a song uh, putting an arm around the shoulder of a friend who's having a, a bad time. Like I never would have predicted that, and also musically, I wouldn't have predicted it either. So I'm like, this is great. Well, um, yeah, uh, they they play the long game, don't they? They, <laughs> they, 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 they? they trick you for an album and a quarter, two al- two and a quarter albums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, and then and then bring out the the friendship song. Yeah, I think they're like um, you know when you have there's somebody in your life like a colleague or a friend of a friend who you think is a bit of a fool, and then they disappear and suddenly you start to think of them fondly. Yeah, I feel like Steely Dan are like that person to me. Yeah, yeah, because like yeah. I, I I like to I like to drub them, but actually, you know, they've definitely yeah. they're squatting in my soul. <laughs> Yeah, and and with this song, they've they have reached out and uh, and and just given your little beard a gentle stroke. Yeah, they? they have, they have. Um, would and you like to know some facts about it? Yes, please. Is, is this for the time? first time? Yes, I would like to hear some facts about this song. <laughs> <laughs> for the first time ever, song facts with a smile. Okay, uh, so any major dude will tell you was released as the B side to Ricky Don't Lose That Number in April nineteen seventy four. It was, uh, as, as these things tend to go, the B-side gets some airplay as well, and it was apparently quite popular on its own, in its own right, uh, as the B-side. Covered by the likes of Wilco on uh, the fucking Me, Myself and Irene soundtrack again. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite I, a faithful I, cover. I listened cover. to the cover. You heard what you heard the Wilco one? Yeah. Any, any comments? Uh, I quite liked it. I like Wilco, and I like Jeff Tweedy's voice, but it's a I bit... I don't really know Wilco. I don't know them too well, but they've got some. They've got some good stuff. But uh, I just thought the cover was like fine, but it didn't have the. It didn't have the funk. It's faithful. It's faith, faithful, faithful, but not funky. Yeah. It's more yes. of a like. It's more of a. It's more of a country rock trudge. Yeah. They added extra country salt, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you would expect. Um, it was fine. It sounded like Wilco covering any major dude will tell you, but it doesn't have that sort <laughs> of like Stevie Wonder in a hammock kind of vibe. That this does, you know what I mean? Yeah. What a great way of putting it. Yeah. Um, see, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm my A game <laughs> with phrases <laughs> like that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, 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 have something similar in my notes, but yeah. No, that's um. You're, you're quite right. And yeah. Um. Wilco. Uh. I. Yeah. Like I say, I don't know them, but I think what you said should have been the the cover on the single. It sounds like Wilco covering any major dude will tell <laughs> yeah. you what what high praise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also covered by Schlong, which is a hardcore <laughs> punk band. Haven't heard that. Really want to. Um, Shall we? If anyone, if anyone has any dodgy MP3 copies, please, please send them over to countdowntoexodus at gmail dot um, Also, the acoustic guitar troubadours, uh, D. Sterner and Nancy Wilson from Heart. <laughs> For, um, um, from the band Heart. 
Yeah, from the band Heart. What was their uh, What was their big song? Oh, uh, what did again? My mom. If my mom was is listening now, she will be shouting mm. at the uh, at the speakers because she loves Heart. Yeah. Let's let's, heart, let's move on. I can't. I, I <laughs> just. I can't it's remember. Not, it's not a. It's not a class podcasting to sit tr- to um an hour over what what was the big song by heart? Is it? Well, I don't uh, want to. I don't want to sound uh, conceited, but there are um, there are podcasts that would do that with much worse audio than this, and they would just fucking leave it in on their three and a half hour, like <laughs> rambling nothingness. Ooh, journey. you are salty. You're being salty. I just, um, I, I just think the bar for podcast is very low. <laughs> so we could say any old shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It served us well so far. Uh, this is uh, this is one of Gary Katz's favourite Steely Dan tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a quote. This is from a, I think from a radio interview. Um, I, I just, I, I love Gary Katz's way of putting things. <laughs> he has such a like a distinctive way of speaking. But he said, "Any major dude will tell you one of my favourites still is." That's about it. The, the others are okay. <laughs> the others on this album. Yeah, I think I think I, I I'm not quite sure what it's getting out of yeah. um, in in the context, but I just love that. That's about it. The others are okay. I think maybe I think maybe he'd been played a few tunes. Yeah, um, yeah. He's um yeah he's he's sweet. Um, yeah. Well, I, I'm going to be quoting him later, and and again, he's just got yeah, he's just got a kind of childlike way of putting things yeah which I, which I really like um uh last fact this was recorded in two takes says walter becker oh um he said i think that was the second take that was great it was all it was almost over before anyone knew they were recording it that's I mean, impressive there's overdubs and stuff yeah um, but yeah, yeah. A, a, a a gentle lightweight song that uh gently feathered its way onto the recording uh tape <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that metaphor, uh, but yeah, there's your, there's your song facts. Take them or leave them. Mm-hmm. Um, this is look. This is like considered one of the best Steely Dan songs. I think this would be yeah. on a lot of a lot of um, people's top tens. And uh, and people that it's not people haven't said a lot about it. Mm. Funny. Well, I think it's almost it's almost so like gentle and gossamery mm. that it it, it I, I I don't know it doesn't. It feels like it hasn't made an impact on on the uh, on the Dan Cannon. Yeah, yeah. Quite as much as it should. I, I don't know. It's it's funny. We started using him uh, for percussion and also for piano and vibes. Piano and vibes. 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 Piano and vibes. Vibes. My vibe, if you care to accept it, is. A gentle Dan from the old school. <laughs> nice. Is that a, an allusion to something? Well, um, yeah. Well, I should say that I haven't heard this idiom bef- before, but apparently there's an idiom which is a gentleman from a gentleman from the old school. Like oh. he does things the old, the old-fashioned way. I see. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's a stretch. I, I was trying to come. I was trying to come up with something witty, so I went on <laughs> the free dictionary, search for idioms, and then saw where I could slot in Dan. But I thought, you know, old school, Dan, and it's gentle. Yeah. It, seem, it seems to hang together, but yeah, full disclosure, I had no idea what that meant. Right. Well, I've <laughs> learnt something too. Well, there we go. Yeah. Well, my vibe is two words. Steely Dan. 
Oh, he's brought it out. Yeah, that one's always been uh, some, that one's always been waiting in the pocket. Yeah, and you've you've done it. <laughs> you've pressed the button. What's uh, just just to because ex- not everyone is going to be familiar either with your the illusion you just made. Mm. So do you want to explain what what yours means as well? Uh, Steel Ice Band were a folk rock band from the early seventies, possibly late sixties too. Uh, yeah, I think so. But they were, that you know, they were in the peer group of like Fairport Convention and Pentangle and all that stuff. Stuff that Ollie, I believe, you, you quite like. I I have my moments. Yeah, I have to, uh, Steel Eye Span are um, they're hard are to like. The tack, they're they're on the tackiest end. Yeah, of that scale, um, I think. Well, they're they're a, they're, a, they're kind of boogie folk. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they're not as sophisticated as Fairport or Pentangle. No, they're more but of a pub that... sing along, I think. So th- that's but not a di- that... this isn't a dig. If basically, when this song started for the first like basically until the vocal came in, I was like, this sounds like seventies folk rock, just that acoustic mm. intro. And then when you get the, you know, you play that on a penny whistle. Oh <laughs> well. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, well, just your face doing it. Then, obviously, you know that that is that is unavailable to listeners. But you 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 made a face like you were playing a flute. <laughs> yeah, but but can't you imagine that on a on a yeah a flute or a? I totally can now that you mention it. But what yeah. I what, what I want to get to the bottom of is you you said and you know steel I span are hard to like. Are you just alluding to the folk rockisms yeah. of this song, yeah. or are you saying they're specifically like the? Or around my hat, I will wear. You know the sort of the sort of bouncy annoyance of still still I I basically did the same thing as you. So you you just were scouring all idioms in English yeah. to find a pun. I was like, okay, this reminds me of Fairport specifically, but yeah. Fairport Convention Dan is that's barely a pun, <laughs> you know. So I had to. I, had, I suppose I could have said I could have said pen dangle. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It's a little bit. I don't know. We're unpicking our own vibe. This is this is not a successful vibing session. Is it? We're un- <laughs> our vibes are falling apart as we speak. Them. I I started maybe doing more of the music, the music, the music. So, so it was a more complex the music after a while. The music. Hey, it's it's gonna be boring if the, if if we don't add some some rubby rubby notes. My sperm has not found the target yet. Should we talk about music? <laughs> yeah, let's. You go, you go, Ollie. I want you because I know you. I know you love this song very much. Well, so I just want to hear you. Uh, in the, I want to hear you gush about oh, about look, the music well, on this, this is, uh, track. Uh, sort of what I've what I've done. For the last couple of episodes, sort of, is is introduce some players, and I thought we'd, you know, I'll talk talk you through playing because we're at a point now where obviously, uh, the core band of Baxter, Diaz, Fagan, Becker, and the other one was <laughs> Odder. Odder. Um, are, 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 it's kind of going out the window now, so we're getting all these exciting players on the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have uh, Fagan and Becker on this. Becker only on background vocals. Um. Baxter and Diaz do play guitar parts on this. We've got Dean Parks uh, on acoustic. I believe he played on Ricky. Um, yeah, I think he came Dave, up. Yeah, David Page on electric piano. Um, later of Toto. Oh. Yeah. 
Um, and Chuck Rainey on bass. I don't know if you've heard of Chuck Rainey. Yeah, did he play with uh, Dylan on his gospel stuff? Well, he's one of the world's most recorded bass players. He's like, he's just like a session ho. Yeah. <laughs> like he, so, so most likely he's played with. I'd be very surprised if he hasn't played with Bob Dylan at some point. Oh, not on the album I thought he played on. Anyway, let's not go down that uh, cold de Yeah, it's a bit muse, though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and then, and then Jim Gordon on drums. He plays on most of his stuff. Um, so sorry. So the the electric piano. That's not Fagan. So Fagan is playing. He's also playing electric piano. Oh, uh, but I I guess yeah. There's there's overdubbed electric piano, which is David Page. I would assume. Okay, because I I think the uh, the main electric piano part is truly lovely, mm. burbling away. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure who's who um, mm. with that. I'm afraid. Uh, but to a certain extent, I feel like I can recognise Fagan's playing, because because Fagan's a great piano player, but he's got a, he's kind of got like a hammer style, mm. doesn't he? Like like he he kind of he he really hits the chords, exemplified by something like Fire in the Hole mm. or My Old School. Where it's very like da 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 da. da. Uh, yeah, and then you hear someone else come in as on Ricky, and it's like oh that's that's lovely and fluttery. <laughs> that's nice. Mm. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, so my thoughts on this, generally speaking, uh, like Ricky, don't lose that number. Mm. This is soft jazz pop for the soul. It's that sort of it's that quality of Dan. One of the qualities of Dan that I love is coming out, which is which is just the the lovely soft jazziness that feels a little bit like what I imagine uh, taking a mild um, opiate is like. Oh, interesting. So, what kind um, of mild opiate? So yeah, maybe just ac- accidentally, not accidentally, taking a bit more codeine than you should. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of fuzzy. Fuzzy, nice, um, pins and needlesy, sink into a big feather. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of that sort of feeling. Yeah. But, you know, the, uh, when a cat makes that, like, we call it, I call it making puddings, you know, when it, when it like, massages the thing it's on because it's just nice and comfy. Yeah. It's a bit of that sort of feel. Is that not because um, they think it's a teat? Uh, yeah, that, that is a theory that yeah. they that they are massaging to generate milk. But in any case, yeah. it's a it, it's a, it's a sort of comfort based yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, action. Yeah, but yeah. So this this song, like many others, makes me like a cat massaging its mother's breasts. Yeah, and <laughs> and, uh, and almost uniquely, this song doesn't have the slightly acidic. Um, yeah. You know that's that's what listening to jazz is. That's what listening to Danny is, I should say. Mm. Uh, it's it's like it's like being a happy cat, but there's a there's a slight smell of kind of formaldehyde in the air. This that is that is not the case with uh, with this yeah. song, which is which is just wall to wall lovely. Yeah. Well, the one it reminds me of the most that I've heard is Razor Boy, but it doesn't have the mm. the the lyrical uh... sting. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So uh, this uh, one notable thing about this song as well um, as a kind of tightly written pop song, it's very compact. Yeah, much more co- mu- you know because we we kind of skip over night by night. That was a bit of a different thing. Go back to Ricky, which is the closest analog we've heard so far on this album. Even Ricky went on a bit. Yeah, you know with that with, with that solo. with that long <laughs> intro and stuff like yeah. that. This this one is just is is like the antithesis of. What you didn't like about Countdown to Ecstasy, Dan, yeah. which is elongated songs. Yeah. Um, 
this is a very tightly written little pop nugget, as I like to say. Yeah. Uh, but um, but yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm chatting away. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I really like it. Love the chords. Uh, it's got a nice lilt. I, I like. It's really good. I like how. So what is emerging for me is uh, that you can start to hear the the, the professional songwriter influence. You know, like mm. pre pre Dan, they were writing these songs for other artists. And so you can feel like you can hear a bit of that, like, uh, I don't know how to put it. Like, you you know, you, you, your Randy Newman's, your Carol King's, your Laura Niro's, like all those people who were writing big pop songs in the late 60s. Mm-hmm. You can tell that Becker and Fagan were like in that school, even if they were on the on the fringes and didn't have the same success. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, so, for instance, I texted you uh, kind of as a, a little wind up. But I was like, oh, check out the first line of this Randy Newman song. It sounds exactly like the opening line of uh, Any Major Dude. But it really yeah, does. So similar. It really does. But I don't actually th- I don't think that's... Uh, you, you then pointed out they were released in the same year. So it is coincidental. But I think it's just that is a classic si- a late 60s pop melody where you go... Well, I think I said something like it sounds like a, it sounds like a way in melody. Yeah. Like if you're playing around with if you you as a songwriter are playing around with some chords. Yeah. It's the sort of melody melody you'd sing to yourself just to find your way into the song. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um but again, I, for some reason Carol King is on my mind a lot at the moment, even though I don't I'm not a big Carol King fan. But, I think um, the I think the spectre of King, the yeah. gentle, ghostly hand of King is uh, is on the on the side of say, of Fagan's piano for this yeah. song, and and for the song we're going to be discussing uh, later today for our Patreon bonus episode. I yeah, need to shine. because um, uh, well, because yeah. I was thinking like the thing I like about Carol, so Carol King I find quite irritating sometimes, but I think the thing mm. I like about her is that there's like a sort of like. Uh, like a sort of vanishing point of different genres. So like Carol King, she wrote songs for like girl groups mm. and she wrote songs that Dusty Springfield sang, big bombastic soul numbers, and she wrote folk rock. And like, it feels just like it's just drawing on all these different popu- forms of popular music and writing kind of classic songs that can then be interpreted in any style. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. sort of, I, I, and but- I kind of increasingly, I feel like that is something that Steely Dan do. Uh, maybe not on their you know most Danish moments, but like, there's like this song just fleetingly reminds me of loads of different types of music. But it sounds like a Steely Dan song, you know. And yeah, I can, and great. I can, uh, oh, I can. I'm en- so proud of you. I can enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> so proud of you, Andrew. Well, do, do you know what? Though, going back to King, Carol King, I I can see the Carol King th- thing, but like mm. in. Uh, like you, I don't really like Carol King. Mm. I don't know what it is. She's got some I've liked some of the songs she's written. I don't know. Just that whole tapestry just annoys the living hell out of me. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm just like, I'm just like, shut up. What man. even? Enough, I feel the I, earth move <laughs> under my feet. I feel the sky tumbling down. Even that one. Yeah. Even I in that rendition just now. Yeah, well, that was. I thought you were just playing the record, mate. Um, but the uh, yeah, I don't. You know when like you know when everything should gel. Yeah. With an artist, but there's just something intangible about their delivery or something yeah. that makes you not like it. That's me and Carol King. I cannot like it, despite the fact that like yeah, it's quite similar to a lot of Steely Dan songwriting. It's, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. But uh, but she has one re- thing. Carol King would. You mentioned chords. Yeah. Um, one thing Carol King and a lot of other song- songwriters would never do is that there's a lot of there's a lot of deceptive harmonic wonkiness going on in this song. Yeah, it's great. I don't know if you looked up the chords, um, but I did. Mm. Uh, I hate getting like proper muso and mm. discussing actual chords, but so I'll be very quick about it. Mm. But you've got a, you've got a re- you've got a verse that kind of revolves around G. Yeah. Called G, and then and then in the pre-chorus or the chorus, you move it moves to an F sharp minor. It's uh, yeah, I think an F sharp minor and a G sharp minor. Right. Yeah. So so instantly you're getting this like unsettlingness that then is like beautifully resolved by the chorus, and and it's like um, it, it it's it's a bit of like you know I mean the Beatles were doing shit like that, but it's kind of it's kind of a classic songwriting trope, but but Steely Dan are just weird enough with it. Yeah. 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 That it's still within the song, the the classic songwriting school, but it's like no, actually, you're doing, you're doing slightly more interesting things here. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think that's where my ears pricked up was on the any major do and that yeah, that final it. chord in that line, it goes it goes to an unexpected chord. Yeah, and then that resolves. Yeah. at the when when he sings the lyric, when the demon is at your door, it's that's like next level musical storytelling. That yeah. is. Because it's not, it's not just like, it's not just like, here's a melody, here's a chord, here's some lyrics. It's like, no, we thought about like when we want to, we've going to, when we're going to create tension, and when we're going to resolve that tension uh, with the lyric that we're talking. You know, the lyric yeah. is is a, the lyric itself is is a resolution of tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the music follows suit. So it's very, very good. It's very, it's very good. Well, it, this is the problem. Like when I can feel myself getting really boring now. Mm. <laughs> when I'm when we gush about something, yeah, um, it's very hard to be entertaining. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> and be really into something. But um, but genuine, genuinely, but, I have nothing negative to say about this song. Oh, isn't that lovely? like literally nothing? Um, I think it's just very, very good. Can I bring up one more moment of of that? sort of stars aligning musical storytelling thing yeah the very first line and i know we're crossing streams here right but the, when when fagin comes in and kind of gently sing as gently as he can muster <laughs> right he sings i've never seen you looking so bad my funky one and the music switches from that guitar intro to a to like a, a really like a gently funky as I said earlier like this lovely bass yeah this really gentle funk groove mm. Um, just as he's saying, like, my funky one, and it's like, it's like, yeah, you know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you, you know, they they said with this album, they felt like they were going in as studio pros for the first time, and I think I think this, uh, this is testament to that. Yeah, yeah. And poor old Jim Hodder, just sat in the corner, <laughs> waiting, waiting to, you know, will they ask me to play drums on this one? Oh, no, never mind. Waiting to do his one backing vocal. On my <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> Awful. Uh, I, I do like to imagine he was there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, like, because also, because if they did these legendarily mammoth recording <laughs> sessions, and Hodder is just like, just like taking loads of coke to stay awake. And, so, and they're like, Hodder, go out. Hodder, could you go out and get some beers? And <laughs> knowing full well that this door was shut. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's yeah, or get, getting him to get them like Chinese takeaway from a really, like a really distant takeaway. <laughs> like oh, few ones. Yeah, <laughs> I did it! I did it! I did it, Don. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> oh, I've really worked up a sweat for some drums. 
dear. Yeah, um, poor, poor Hodder. What do you think of the solo? The solo. Okay, I like so, the solo. So the, so, the solo is is brief, which I which I respect. <laughs> yeah, in, in you song. appreciate that yeah. after, after after the last album. Yeah. Um, well, one interesting thing about the solo is it's written by Becker and Baxter. Uh, Becker and played Baxter. by written by Walter Becker and uh, Skunk Baxter, mm. played by Denny Diaz and Skunk Baxter. So because Denny doesn't play with vibrato, apparently this is from Wikipedia. Denny played the solo up to the last five notes, and then got Baxter to come and play the last five notes. What? Where vibrato was needed? That's crazy. Why didn't they just get Baxter to do the whole thing? I know. It's like 10 seconds long, like you say. Like it's, really? fucking, it's, it's barely there. That's really weird. Why not just get Baxter to do the whole thing? Maybe that's yeah. what, maybe that's what the, all this you know, much-vaunted studio perfectionism was. It was just making tasks more complicated than they needed to be. Yeah, yeah. There would be like... You, but in an office situation, there'd be the guy that they sent on like a, a, like a management refreshment course, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, I saw, I was doing a bit of uh, searching today, I can't remember for what, something to do with Steely Dan in preparation for this, but I came across the headline which was like, uh, how Steely Dan demoralised Mark Knopfler, which just really made me laugh as a headline, <laughs> also just the thought of, because Knopfler has a slightly Eeyore-ish uh, look about him at the best of times, so I just like to imagine him just completely like browbeaten by, <laughs> by Becker and Fagan. I don't know the full story, but I think they brought him in to play on Gaucho and then used about four seconds of his material. Or right, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his ham fisted exegesis in last month's Vanity Fair made me cringe. Oh, anyway, we've been so boring. I know, we've been so positive. Yeah, yeah. We need to um, hate on something. Uh, can't you just can't you just like pretend that you hate something about this song? Okay, um, so we can so we can have our usual schism. <laughs> yeah, we need to. Uh, it's like reality TV where they like yeah. plant seeds of uh, made in Chelsea. Yeah, maybe yeah. you just say, "Oh, by the way, I'm um, I'm fucking your wife or something." <laughs> I could say that. Yeah, uh, I'll be like, well, I don't have a wife. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, um, you're married to the pod. I am married to uh, to the Dan. Uh, I have nothing negative to say about this, and uh, although that makes for a boring podcast, it makes my soul feel <laughs> feel good. Dan! 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 San Francisco show and tell. Oh, I forgot about this. This is exciting. Yeah, so it's my turn to bring a nugget of joy for Andrew. <laughs> yeah. That is somehow related to, well, hopefully related to the song or Steely Dan. Um, there's been varying degrees of success in, uh, in, in actually doing that over the episodes, but um, we're sticking with it. So here we go. Any major dude will tell you. Um, we're going to talk lyrics next. And the, the sort of lexical choices of this song are quite odd at times, yeah. without getting into the lyric discussion. But, for instance, one that stuck out for me is the line... Any major dude with half a heart surely will tell you, my friend. Which is not your typical 1970s rock way of opening a chorus. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be interesting to use that as a writing prompt 
and seeing how people who might necessarily uh, familiar with Steely Dan might respond to it. So I have commissioned some pieces of short microfiction. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, from some uh, from some writers on the internet um, on Fiverr. Really? If you're familiar with that website, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've commissioned I've commissioned them to write a story based on the prompt. Any major dude with oh. would tell you, my friend. Can I get some popcorn? So yeah, yeah. Get Great. Uh, yeah. Let's cue the uh, cue the dramatic music that we'll put in in post maybe as well. And sit back and enjoy this one. This one is called... Yeah. <laughs> Two Against the Natural Grass of the High School Football Field. Great title. Okay. Can you say it again slowly? The title of this piece is Two Against the Natural Grass of a High School Football Field. Okay. And if you recall, there's a Steely Dan album called Two Against Nature. Oh, I recall. So this writer's done their research. Okay, so it goes like this. Any major dude with half a heart surely would tell you, my friend, that this is a terrible idea. I get that Katie's last boyfriend had a promposal with over 7,000 views and that she hates football, but this might be thousands of dollars in property damage. And if it doesn't rain tonight, it won't, it won't even work. It's cold out here and I just want to go home. So put the Fruit Loops away and... Oh shit, you've got your dad's fertiliser spreader. You're going to do this no matter what I say, aren't you? You're going to need to give me that. an exegesis of that. I have no idea what was going on there. <laughs> so the guy... So, so you know, this guy is in, a, is in a football field. Yeah, I got that. With his friend, and he's telling his friend this is a terrible idea. Yeah. He's, his, his friend's constructing some sort of prank that involves fertiliser and fruit loops. Right. And the guy's trying to talk him down. But But he's doing this in order to... Embarrass a girlfriend? What was who's Katie uh, and her proposal? Well, he's only got a hundred words to play with, mate. Yeah, but I can. That was a total uh, sort of hallucinatory journey for me. I just, I could not, I could not follow that. It was like Finnegan's Wake or something. Do you want? Do you want me to give it to you again? Yeah, slowly, okay. <laughs> <laughs> with with uh, explanations, <laughs> with annotations. Any mate- any major dude with half a heart surely would tell you, my friend, that this is a terrible idea. I get that Katie's last boyfriend had a proposal with over 7,000 views and that she hates football. But this might be thousands of dollars in property damage. Okay, stop. And if it doesn't rain tonight... Okay. Stop. So, the, 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 whatever is about to go down, is this, mm-hmm. it, is this revenge on Katie? Mm-hmm. Because... This guy is jealous that she had a proposal with seven thousand views. Well, her last boyfriend had a proposal with over seven thousand views. Right. So, so what is the person who's doing the prank? What are they trying to achieve? I think they're. You don't know, do trying... you? You don't know. No. You're look. You you are. You've turned this round so that I'm being thick and not following this. You have no idea what this short story is about. <laughs> I don't know exactly who he's getting at. Yeah. But I uh, I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> yeah, but but also, what, why would it not raining be a problem? Well, that's yeah, that's a good question. Fertilizer and fruit. Let Let's see if this is a thing. Mm. I mean, the fact that you're googling fertilizer and fruit loops suggests to me that you have even less of an idea than I do. I think I think this, that's the point is that it's it's like he's he's introducing this um 
manic and nonsensical scheme, and he's he's leaving out details mm. to uh, to let your mind fill in the blank. And I like that. So what I enjoyed about it was being just thrown in at the deep end. <laughs> mm. There was no, you know, there was. I like that the uh, it it woke me up. You know, I was like, wow, I really mm. need to pay attention because I have no fucking clue what's going on here, and I liked that. But my mind now can't fill in the blanks. I don't understand who this is, what their scheme is, where the promposal comes into it, what fruit... Fruit Loops are a cereal, right? Um, yeah. I don't think we've got them in this country. No. Maybe we do. Listeners. But I'm please, aware they're please, like an American cereal. Listeners, please write in with your exegeses of this uh, very striking bit of prose. This writer did uh, ask to be uh, identified. This is Brian Roston. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's available for short fiction on Fiverr. Mm-hmm. If you have any 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 fiction you need writing, perhaps Andrew can ask him and pay him to continue the story to his liking. Yeah. Um, and fill in some of the details. Yeah. I am. I'm still thinking about what are it. You getting at? I'm still. Th- it's it's really. Um, it is like a riddle. The Brian Roston one. Yeah, because whatever they're trying, so whatever they're trying to do is presumably destructive in some way, or like you know, is going to cause a nuisance. Whatever this scheme is with the Fruit Loops and the fertilizer is going to d- cause some mayhem. Yeah, right? and he's got a fertilizer spreader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But what is that? What re- relation does that bear to Katie's boyfriend having a popular promposal? What the fuck is a promposal? I've never even heard of a promposal. I mean, I, I can figure out what it is, but uh, yeah, I guess it's when you ask someone to a prom. In a creative way. That's it, isn't it? This is a promposal. <gasps> he's jealous because Katie's I've just cracked. Yeah, it. that's it, isn't it? That's it. It's like I he's gonna believe. he's gonna write out or something. Uh, will oh, you go to the prom God. with me in fertilizer and fruit? Brian, lips. Brian, you're a genius. I, I sent feedback to Brian, being like, "That was really funny." Yeah, and it's really clear to me now that I actually just didn't get it. We've just we've cracked. We've it. cracked. He's it. gonna yeah. He's He's going to write on the football field yeah. with fertiliser and fruit loops. Will you go to the prom with me? Oh. And that's really good. Fucking hell. Brian, you slippery eel. He's, he's, <laughs> he's too... He's too clever for us. <laughs> he's too clever for yeah. us. <laughs> that, that, that feels oh. a bit like, you know, um, you know those gaps. Well, I like it even more now. That's great. I love it. I do. I definitely want to hear what happens next. Yeah, yeah. I want to see how the person that he's asking to the prom reacts to the uh, uh, to the um, field writing. All right, well look, next time I'm going to I'm just going to do it. Next episode. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask him to continue the story with a uh, with a quote from Barrytown. Yes. Let's just see where let's just see where Brian takes us. Love it. Brian, you magnificent bastard. I feel so thick. Yeah, but, I mean like... me I feel incredibly thick. <laughs> But uh, but we got there. We got there in the end. Um, it's a bit like just, it's, it's again, kind of a metaphor for me finally appreciating a Steely Dan song wholeheartedly. <laughs> <laughs> like it takes a long, long time. <laughs> but we get there in the end. Somehow we we got into writing these like vaguely sadomasochistic uh, lyrics. Um, not that either of us were really involved in anything like that, but it, it, it just it, it seemed like uh, fresh material, you know. Yeah, Andrew. There is a very famous lyric in this song that I, uh, that I alluded to earlier. Yeah. Along with the likes of 
is there gas in the car? Yes, there's gas in the car. Um, famous among idiosyncratic Dan lyrics. Mm. Uh, and you know, of course, the lyric that I'm talking about is... I'm probably going to get it wrong, but it's, have you ever seen a squonk's tears? Yes. Well, here are mine. Indeed. Oh, look at mine. It's here are um, mine, isn't it? No, it's, well, look at mine. Okay. Do you say you don't know what a squonk is? Do you want to, do you want to have a guess? A squonk. I think it could be countercultural slang for a narc. Mm. Like a squonk. Okay. Yeah, like, um, it's like quick, put the... Put the dope away. The squonk is here, uh-huh. or like, uh-huh. or like somebody. I don't know. Like Fagan makes a makes a reference to um, Eric Dolphy, and the person at the party doesn't know who Eric Dolphy is, and like Fagan's like, "What? What are you? Some kind of squonk?" You know, like a sort of, um, uh, yeah, nerdy straight. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's it. The... Sounds like it sounds like sixties slang. Yeah. for like a, a dork. Yeah, yeah. So. I didn't know you were such a squad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it could be that, uh, or it could be like it could be a military term. Mm. Like maybe it's a Vietnam thing where a squonk is a could be grenade or something. But yeah, but with that cry, I was thinking more like a weakling soldier. Oh, like get yeah, over the wall, you course, squonk! Yeah. I forgot about the tears. Yeah, am I am I a war? Yeah. No, no, no. No, okay. Far okay. off. So. Uh, as as most things, this is best described through the words of Gary Katz. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, Did you say so like like most your... things? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like what are the causes? Of the, through... the causes of the First World War? Let's get <laughs> filtered through on cats. The blower. <laughs> <laughs> Filter through cats. Everything becomes just charming, and again, it's just his his lovely way of putting things. So, um, so he said in an interview, talking about. Uh, weird allusions in lyrics, mm. right? So he said, for instance, like in any major dude, a squonk's tears. I had to ask Donald what the hell that was. A catchy enough phrase that didn't provoke too much thought. <laughs> Sorry, I'll start that again. A catchy enough phrase that didn't provoke too much thought, except if you wanted to know what a squonk was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really sweet. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. I just love the idea of like, I feel like Gary Katz just lived in a different world to the rest of Steely Dan. So he kind of like, I'm imagining him as a very preppy, mild-mannered guy who just really got into like sound engineering at an early age and then went to like college and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, and but he he doesn't have any overlap with the sort of jazz uh, demi like or whatever. What? He speaks like an alien. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he's a, man, but, uh, he's, a, he's a man of sound. You know. Yes. No, he's not here for words. No. He's here to uh, he's here for jazz rock grooves. <laughs> That's how he communicates. Yeah. Um, but he's to continue. But you have to know about it. You can't write about it unless you you've <laughs> unless you have known about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's and then and then the definition. It's a mythical woods animal oh. who had the ability to cry himself into a bag of tears. Oh. In what in what mythology? Uh, so I think it's like Pennsylvania American. Oh, the, the classic Pennsylvania <laughs> mythological cycle. Uh, what, like a sort of folk tale? Yeah. Okay. So, so we. Yeah, I'm often snooty about Genius.com, mm. as you well know, um, because some of the. I mean, some of our interpretations are are full of bullshit. Yeah. Um, but uh, but you know, Genius has its fair share of. Uh, 
of bullshit interpretations. But I just I just want to read you something from Genius or or, or, uh, or break it down. So this guy said basically he's, he, he describes the squonk. It, the Gary Cat's got it a bit wrong, I think. Basically, the squonk is this ugly, warty thing mm. that is so ashamed of its appearance mm. that um, it it spends much of its time crying and hiding. And apparent, and if it's cornered, it can cry. It can dissolve itself into its tears as a means of escape, mm. like a, like a hedgehog would roll itself into a ball, or, or the cuttlefish yeah. in its ink, who we discussed yeah, in a previous or, episode. Much like uh, Nickelodeon's Alex Mack uh, could uh, dissolve herself into into mercury, if you remember that program. Uh, I, I did um, not. No, uh, I didn't think you would. Um, I think I, I think somehow, despite being younger than me, I think you probably grew up watching. Watch with mother, um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and, uh, mind your language. That was my yeah. <laughs> favorite show. Um, but uh, so this guy says it wouldn't be surprising if Steely Dan was making an obscure literary literary allusion here to the squonk as referenced in Borges's The Book of Imaginary Beings, oh. in which in which it is given the cryptozoological name Lacrima Corpus Dissolvens. Mm-hmm. which suggests on a figurative and fantastic level that melancholy can shatter the stable and coherent boundaries of a person's basic identity. <laughs> Fucking hell, genius. Yeah, you've excelled yourself. <laughs> Isn't that, like, bloody good? That's like Wikipedia levels. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, that's, it's edging Britannia levels, I'd yeah. say. But, you know. It's almost uh, like Melvin Bragg in our time tier. <laughs> our American listeners won't know what that means. I, I barely know that. I know I know who Melvin Bragg is, but yeah, he 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 was uh, he did arts programming. He still does. Had, he still does yeah. well. Um, Go Melvin. Okay, so the line is: Have you ever seen a squonk's tears? Or look at mine. That's interesting because I because the, the the lyric seems to be empathetic. I've never seen you looking so bad, my funky one. Mm-hmm. You're a groovy guy. You're you're having a shit time of it. Um, but mm-hmm. look, here I am crying tears. Like I'm in the same, we're, we're all in the same shit boat. Yeah, that's why I took yeah. it to mean. But the squonk, so I guess that is like the squonk in that the squonk is constantly like off crying and hiding. But the squonks, but but like the squonk is using tears as a disguise or as like a method of escape. Well, that's only part the, of the squonk's makeup. It, it, it is it is also just crying because it hates itself. Mm. You know. Well, it is a fun line. Mm. Um, but it is also very opaque because I yeah it's uh, I I don't know I don't know if we should read too much into it or if they're just kind of going we know what a squonk is yeah but the point is that the the average listener doesn't know what a squonk is mm-hmm. so it feels a bit like an in joke yeah well yeah I think that's yeah. that could precisely be what it is yeah yeah so um, I found I found but... something to dislike about this song. I just wanted to cover that lyric because you know that's the one everyone's going to be waiting for. But can you just give me your general interpretation of the song? Because remember, our listeners aren't going to have the lyrics to hand necessarily. Let's let's just talk them through the general vibe, the story of this song. I think the story of the song is uh, the the speaker of the song is addressing a friend who's having a shit time. Never seen you looking mm-hmm. so bad, and the singer is consoling them, reassuring them, and saying, "Look, any." world that falls apart will come together again that's a misquote but that's the gist of it and mm-hmm. uh if the demon is at your door 
it's not going to last forever. You will bounce back from this, my funky one. It's a knife. Yeah. It's an arm. The it's an on arm the street, around the shoulder. But the people on the street have all seen better times. We all go through shit. Yeah. It's gonna. It's gonna turn around. Yeah. What a lovely sentiment. It's a very lovely sentiment. Yeah. But but we, but, your... but couched in in a in a weird way. Yeah. Because saying any any major dude will tell you is kind of like, I'm a major dude. Like I'm telling you this, so I must be one of the major dudes. But is major well, is is the phrase major dude sincere? Is it like I'm in this club of people who know this wisdom, or is it well, saying like any old fool would know this? Yeah, like it's quite well, it's what, a little it, bit it, it's a little cryptic. The, the 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 choice of the kind of slang, couching it all in slang words is odd, yeah. isn't it? And that that is the only thing that makes me think that there might be the spectre of cynicism. Mm. Of cynical Dan yeah. coming to the fort, like why, why not just be sincere? Why? Because you know there's, they've never used terms like that in another song. It's this isn't how they speak. <laughs> do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, or it's, yeah. isn't how they write yeah. anyway. Why have they chosen to do it here in a song which is basically sincere? Mm. Um, and you know, there's a number of reasons why they could be like making fun of someone. Yeah. Uh, or what I think might be the case is that, like, is that the personalities of Becker and Fagan, I like them both very much as writers and whatever, but, mm. you know, you get the impression that sincerity is not their forte. Yeah. And I and there's a little bit of a sense of, like, they can't bring themselves yeah. to be nice That's what I think without is, yeah. veiling it in, in the ridiculous a little bit. Yeah. You know, like... This might be like a British phenomenon, but did you ever have a friend growing up who would always, as soon as they were saying something serious, they'd start doing it in an American accent? No, but I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, like, like you know, if if someone, um, <laughs> you know, if someone, it, oh, genuinely, a single red balloon is floating past my window uh, against a cloudy sky. <laughs> oh. So the the mushrooms are kicking in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, someone would say there'd be like it's, something awkward would happen and be like, "Oh my god, this is so awkward." Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, rest yeah. of the time they've just got a, they've just got a British accent. Um, um, what it reminds me of is your friend and mine, Bob Dylan. There's a bit in like a Rolling Stone, mm-hmm. the 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 woman being addressed has fallen on hard times. She used to be a rich girl, now she's on the streets, mm-hmm. and she used to have a friend who was a diplomat for some reason. And Dylan sings, <laughs> "Ain't it hard when you discover that." He really wasn't where it's at. But the way he sings it is like, he really wasn't, pause, where it's at, with like total venom. And it's like he's taking this phrase, where it's at, as like something vacuous that you would say, and he's like spitting it out. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not the same as any major dude will tell you. I, I was going to say tonally, there's a hint of that. But there's I, a hint of that. They're 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 delivering what they think are ridiculous words. Yeah. To sweeten a, a message that they find hard to swallow. Yeah. But uh, I don't think it's. I don't think it's quite. No, it's as, not the same. It's like, not the same. It's just. Uh, it's, it's not Bill Grundy talking to the Sex Pistols. <laughs> no. You know, which is what which is what that Bob Dylan line sounds like. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's thrilling though, Ollie. Absolutely thrilling. <laughs> Bob Dylan. <laughs> well, that, like a Rolling Stone. That bit in like you a told Rolling me, Stone. I thought you saw. I thought you told me you didn't like like a Rolling Stone. No, or maybe what? it's just you. Maybe you just said it's not the right place to start with Dylan. I don't know. It's a. Um, it's absolutely phenomenal. It gives me. Okay. It gives me goosebumps. Okay. Well, I don't want to think about your skin. <laughs> so. Um. <laughs> 
but yeah, I think I think uh, you, you mentioned another literary illusion. I don't I don't think we got to that. So what what was that? Well, I don't think it is a literary illusion, but basically, second line of the song. You tell me that your super fine mind has come undone. Yeah, which I love because it's it's kind of like when we were talking about my old school and we were saying that there are these words that are used in a very percussive way, like mm. Guadalajara won't do and stuff like that. Super fine mind. Super fine mind. Yeah, it's, it's, it just sounds great as a phrase. That should be sampled and repeated as a beat, shouldn't it? Just that. Super fine mind, super fine mind, super fine mind, super fine mind. I can't believe it hasn't been done already. Well, you should uh, get on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, is super fine. Uh, so before I uh, do my pretentious literary bit, do you is super fine? Is that something people said in the seventies? Uh, like wow, that, that those trousers are super fine. I, I, I maybe it was, or maybe it's like an exaggerated version of. You're uh, looking fine. Slang. You know, like, I don't know what young people say nowadays. Well, anyway, I was just, it caught my ear because super fine was a, a favourite word of uh, Henry James, um, mm. who always used it to mean very subtle and discriminating. So, like, if you had a super, okay. if you had a super fine sensibility, it means that you're Henry James and you're just, like, incredibly subtle and discerning and... I don't think that's what Whatever. they're doing there, is it? Well, <laughs> you say you say that dismissively, but these are you know these are literary guys, aren't they? Yeah, but it's your super fine mind, major dude, funky one, super fine. It sounds more right. like sort of you know, it sounds more like yeah, just just utterly monstrous seventies slang, like seventies slang made. Um, super deformed. You know? But wouldn't it be cool if it was like seventies hip hipster slang, which they've cleverly combined with a Henry James reference? Wouldn't that be super fine? What 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 a role reversal? Because you're usually the I'm usually what the one making these leaps and trying to credit with Dan with any kind of like literary, mm. uh, you know, kudos. Whereas and here I am going. No, I don't know about that. Uh, but I'm glad you're only, doing this. Only because you didn't think of it. <laughs> yeah, perhaps you're right. Yeah, perhaps you're right. Well, let me just let me just round off this uh, extremely <laughs> inconclusive segment <laughs> by um, reading you a quote from Henry James's The Art of Fiction because I think this okay. is quite inspiring and it might inspire some of our listeners, some of our funky ones. Mm. Mm-hmm. So Henry James is addressing the young novelist, but I think this could address any creative soul. He says. All life belongs to you, and don't listen either to those who would shut you up into corners of it and tell you that it is only here and there that art inhabits, or to those who would persuade you that this heavenly messenger wings her way outside of life altogether, breathing a superfine air and turning away her head from the truth of things. That was... uh... I'll be honest with you. I didn't take it in. <laughs> yeah, I kind of when I read it th- uh, this afternoon, I did lose <laughs> lose the thread about halfway through. But basically, what he's saying is, art encompasses all things. You know, there's nothing that can be excluded from art. Whatever whatever you want to put in art is is valid. And also, mm-hmm. it's not something that breathes a superfine air away from the, the the everyday and the mundane. Art is the mundane. You know, and so yeah, that's very nice. if you're gonna if you're gonna very true. If you're going to write a short piece of prose about a promposal, great. Mm-hmm. Henry James mm-hmm. would hate it, but 
he would defend your right to do that. Slam. Or. Scam. All right. Slam or scam? Three. I'll go first. Two. One. Slam. This is absolutely like top shelf Dan classic. Probably in my top ten Dan tunes. Uh, and if someone didn't like this song because it's so easy to like, I would question their sanity, frankly. Wow. I wouldn't go that Any far. Thoughts? Uh, I very much enjoy this song. I think it's lovely and it's surprising, which I appreciate as we trudge wearily through this band's discography. It's nice to have a little surprise. <laughs> a little bit of sunshine. Yeah, but I liked it a, a very great deal and have struggled because, you know, my role is to be a sort of naysayer, yeah, a sort yeah, of snooty yeah. naysayer. Uh, which I embrace wholeheartedly, but like I can't really muster that for this song. Yeah, it's, it's been a different dynamic this episode, hasn't it? It's, we, we've we've been in like an unusual unusual amount of agreement. Yeah, yeah, and you've looked <laughs> unusually episode. relaxed because <laughs> because you're not waiting for me to just like pick holes in everything you say. No, you're quite right. Yeah, yeah. so that's oh, that's nice. Just... Hopefully, so so, so uh, friend of the show Ben Jones told me that the next song on the album. He thinks I'll I'll like it. So, well, it's it's the biggest Dylan. I've probably said this before, but it's the biggest Dylan pastiche in the Dan catalogue. Mm. Mm-hmm. Def, most definitely. Okay. So, well, I'm I'm curious. It, you'll appreciate it for the for its Dylanisms, unless you think it's some, you know, they're soiling the temple of uh, Bob. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, especially to our patrons. You can join them for the price of a cup of coffee. Probably probably a little more than a cup of coffee if you actually want us to give you things. But, you know, yeah, hardly, hardly more. Remember, also, that if we get 55-star reviews this season, I will get a Steely Dan tattoo on my clean body. <laughs> um, so uh, if, you enjoy, if you enjoy your schadenfreude, that's, uh, that's one for you. Thank you all. Keep on danning. <laughs> toot toot. <laughs> God.